Welcome back to another edition of the Detroit Lions podcast here at MLife. Uh, I'm Kyle Mankey. I'm here with Justin Rogers. We are actually in Justin's house yep. for the first time. This is my first time in here, actually. It's pretty nice. Last time, hopefully. <laughs> Justin's feeling a little under the weather, so I, I volunteered to come out here. He's not offered me a taco yet, unfortunately, but uh, I'm sure. That's dessert. There's there's still time. <laughs> so I always hope. Um, obviously, Justin, last week we saw the first round of... Uh, OTAs. We saw Thursday. Um, that was the third session out of three. Um, I know we had a few takeaways and we were able to break it down on, on the site, obviously, and um, did a video as well. But uh, with the podcast, you know, more of an opportunity to kind of expand. Just curious on your thoughts of uh, what you saw go down last Thursday. I, I still think the most curious thing to me or, or most interesting thing to me was um, we saw Taylor Decker, mm-hmm. left tackle, uh, Day one. Now, I mean, obviously, it wasn't their first day on the practice field. They're out there a couple days before, but it's the first day we saw. And um, you know, of, of all the days to maybe not try something new or something even moderately controversial, is the day the media is out there. But they, they didn't shy away from that. It wasn't split reps during the day. It was Taylor Decker blindside all day long. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, it it just struck me as you know maybe the team wants that to happen. Maybe more than we possibly envisioned going into, I guess, this offseason program. Yeah, I compare it to the situation at center. Uh, obviously, they drafted Graham, Graham Glasgow to compete with Travis Swanson. I think there are some hopes in Allen Park that he wins that competition. I don't think you draft a guy thinking he's not going to play for you, particularly that early and at that that position. Um, but at the same time, you always kind of expect the returner to be the starter out of the gate. Um, you know, maintain the status quo, let the rookie work his way into the rotation and, and see what's what, see where it shakes out. And that's what we saw. Um, and so applying that to the Decker and, and Reef thing, I mean, I, I really thought you'd see the status quo with Reef on the left side and let Decker work his way into things and get more comfortable on the right side before you put, you know, Reef on blast or whatever you want to call it with, with, with monkeying with his position for the first time in, in three or four years. Um, but in fact, they obviously had Decker on the left side, and and that to me is telling. I wasn't gonna if they had De- if they had Decker on the right, Reef on the left. I I would just have said they're just preparing these guys. Um, anything could happen, but given that they have the rookie Decker on the left side, they moved Reef to the right side. I don't think he's practiced there at all since he was a rookie, if if at all even. Um, that you know that that's telling. That 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 tells me that. At, at you know the, the the team would like Decker to win this competition. That they they see him as a left tackle. They think they're best with Decker on the left and Reef on the right. Um, doesn't mean it's going to happen if one of the guys struggles at either side. You can still yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of time to uh, switch them around. And I think at some point you're going to see some cross training anyway with with Decker on the right side. Um, but the fact you saw this so early definitely is revealing in that the lines I think want. You know, they see Decker as their guy on the left, and if things break their way the way they'd like them to break, you know, Taylor Decker is going to be your starting left tackle week one. Feels like Riley Reef hasn't talked in two years. And, it's probably because he hasn't talked in two yeah, years. Yeah, and I, I know he declined um, <laughs> yeah. to, to speak to us after after practice the other day. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, everything he's ever said in the past, he's always said a willingness to play at the right side. He doesn't care. He wants to do what's best for the team. He's always said the right thing. And while left tackle is the prestigious position, you could still make a lot of money playing on the right side in this league. You know, I think if he goes out there and, and let's just say it plays out the way we think it'll play out and Decker earns that left tackle job and, and Reef plays on the right side, if Reef is effective over there, he could still see a contract where he gets $10 million plus a year in the open market. Uh, whether that's in Detroit, you know, remains to be seen. They really haven't shown any sense of urgency to to lock him up to a long term deal. But you know, who knows? Uh, we don't know Quinn's negotiation strategy. You know, they may not be opposed to signing guys in the middle of the season if it's really looking good at at week five or week six, and everybody seems to be fitting into place and Reef's dominating on that right side. You know, why not? Why not lock him down at that point? Is it ominous that when you mentioned Riley Reef talking, a black cat 
crossed across the, the, the yeah <laughs> no probably, probably not <laughs> uh, i mean i haven't i haven't um i haven't heard i haven't talked to riley reef on record in probably two years it's, it was probably 2014 the last time i talked to him on record he's just not a talkative guy at some point he's gonna have to i think with so much going on with with his future um but you're right that you can still make money on the right side. Look at the premium that was placed on quality offensive tackles in last year's free agency. The Lions looked for their guy and they couldn't, I mean, Quinn couldn't find a guy who would, with ability, who they could afford, basically, or they were willing to afford, rather. And so, yeah, so Reef plays well, he's still going to get paid. But there's also, you know, there's prestige on the left side. There's also a pride factor of, you know, he, you know, that's, that's his position. That's the position, position he's played since he became a full-time starter in this league. And kicking to the right side, uh, for a rookie, that's viewed as a demotion. And, and no one likes that, even if you can still get paid, you know, eight figures or whatever the, the following year. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess, uh, I guess it's the level of pride you have in your your work versus um, just just doing, I guess, a good job no matter where you're put. Mm-hmm. And, and and Reef just doesn't strike me as a a complainer. But uh, I don't know. He hasn't said enough for me to really, I guess, determine that. <laughs> Elsewhere on the on the offense, I thought it was a nice day last Thursday. Again, the one time we've had a chance to watch these guys, I, I thought it was a nice day from T.J. Jones, and and he didn't necessarily make the best play of the day. But he just made a lot of plays, and he was very involved um, with with Golden Tate not out there, and of course, no Calvin Johnson. Um, that's the new reality, and there's 150 balls to go around. And I do think T.J. Jones could be one of those guys who, um, you know, along with Ebron and Abdullah, and um, uh, obviously uh, uh, Riddick. You know, I think I think he's one of those guys who can shoulder shoulder that that, that load. Um, I was kind of skeptical early in the year when you heard these comments from Stafford and, and Caldwell about Jones, about T.J. Jones having a good offseason and, and being a guy. Uh, headed for a breakout 2016. I, I didn't necessarily see it. Um, I like we I like we did the last ha- you know the last few games of last year. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It's just it wasn't a full body of work. It was some meaningless games against some bad teams and things like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, based off what I saw in OTAs, you know, he moved well. He caught the ball well. Um, I think he has to do a better job of gaining separation. Um, that was a, a little bit of an issue, I thought. But you still have to give the guy credit for making the catches and. Um, you know, I, I think that battle he has there with Curly for the, the third job in the slot could be a very interesting one. Yeah, and, and he wasn't doing a whole lot of work in the slot this particular practice because he was filling in for, for mm. Golden Tate, who was not at practice for... Do, do we ever figure out the... He's that an excused that? absence. It was a, a non-football thing, but Caldwell City knew where he was. So Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but, I mean, Jones has 10 career receptions, so uh, expecting improvement really isn't expecting a whole lot. I, I thought Curley also had a, a really nice practice. I mean, he looked like a guy that's been around the league for a long time and, and has uh, a veteran tool set in his back pocket. He didn't have a lot, of, you know, a whole lot of problems of getting separation outside of uh, there was one rep where, where Darius Slay slid into that nickel roll, and uh, Slay's really talented for you know a reason. The reason we talk about him getting a big extension this offseason. but you know Curly had his way with every safety that attempted to cover him uh, during the practice. Even got deep down the seam on one route, which is definitely not a calling card of his. But mm-hmm. um, I I view Jones right now as uh, TJ Jones as the the fourth wide receiver on this roster. Uh, I think it's maybe a bit of a stretch to call him a lock, but he's uh, closer to a lock than anybody beyond those those top three. Uh, certainly more so yeah. than Corey Fuller. Yeah, no, I think he's closer to a starting gig than he is uh, getting bounced from the roster. I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think he could settle in nicely to that fourth receiver role, first guy off the bench. But I don't. I mean, him and Curley, I, don't, I wouldn't put it that that that's a, a position battle that could be waged and it could go on for a while i i, I mean i think Curley's going to start given his experience i think he's faster than tj jones I, I think um a lot more experience obviously they're on, out of the slot um go yep. ahead and pop that uh that cough drop. yeah no i'm good <laughs> but uh no i but I, I i think he's just worlds ahead of Corey fuller at this point and fuller even had a nice practice last week i just think tj jones is the better player i think the lines are higher on tj jones and Corey Fuller, there's a reason why T.J. Jones played down the stretch last year, and Corey Fuller basically sat. Um, yeah, and I, but I wouldn't rule out Jay, Jay Lee obviously for that that last that fifth spot either. Oh um, no, I, I you know, almost I, expect it at this point. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, oh, it's so early. Yeah, yeah but um, you know, there's a reason they they signed him so quickly. Uh, you know, Fuller's had a lot of opportunities, and 
hasn't quite capitalized on him. He's never developed into the deep threat. You know, I think the Lions thought he could be. Uh, still, still shows problems tracking deep balls, uh, or or at least did last year. Lee is a better blocker, which I think is important in this offense with so many guys that are good at taking short passes and going after the catch. And you know, Lee Lee has the same special team experience and, and plays the same roles as Fuller. Most importantly, gunner on punt coverage. Mm-hmm. So you you don't feel you're losing out which might be Fuller's most important role right now on the, on the team is that that punt coverage gunner. You're getting a guy that's capable of doing it, that's uh, showed he was pretty pretty good at it at Baylor. Uh, so, like I said, I, I think Lee, just be, being the better blocker, um, kind of gives him the, the heads up on that. I, I'm curious just how many reps Jones can get, though. We know Golden Tate's not going to play 100% because he didn't play 100% last year. You know, they're, they're probably going to treat Marvin Jones the same way, but you're still looking at, like, 85% of snaps probably for those guys. And and by showing that he can play on the outside as well, Jones is showing that versatility that he can, you know, play play some sub packages in, in the slot, can play uh, some fill-in on the outside, and can, you know, also be out there for some four wide receiver sets on those uh, those third and long. So, you know, he could find some reps. I just don't know how much right now unless he can truly beat out Curly once training camp rolls around. The, the future of the Jim Bob, Cooter offense is, is still kind of a mystery. I don't think anyone really knows where it's headed. We've heard a lot about how but he does. Well, I bet he does, and I bet some players do too. But outside, publicly, we don't have a good feel yet. I don't sure. think uh, we've heard a lot about how, how much how much it's changing. And yet, when we were out there, I even asked you on the field, "Do you see much different about this offense?" And neither of us really picked up on that. I think that will be real, revealed to us more uh, down the line. But if what the second half last year. Taught us, if, that, if that taught us anything, I think it's that he prefers the shorter pass. I think, at least for this offense and this, this personnel, I think Stafford really thrived in that kind of thing. You know, he, you know, he, I think he's uh, done away with some of the risk taking of his younger younger days. He's, he's a higher efficiency passer in those, that, that short passing. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that. So to that point, if you're going to have that kind of offense, you need guys who can block. And it's not that just it's not just that Jay Lee can do it. It's or that he's done it at Baylor at least. Um, it's that the Lions don't really have a receiver on the roster who can block. You know, in the in, in the post Jeremy Ross days, and um, you know, T.J. Jones is a pretty slight guy. So is Marvin Jones. Uh, Golden Tate he can pack a punch, but he's still smaller. So I, I do think Jay Lee has a very good chance of making this roster, not just because of his ability as a receiver, but the blocking that's there um, to. You know, watching that battle, I think the most important thing to watch would be his contributions on special teams and uh, where he's repping and how he's repping um, because to win the fifth receiver, to win a a fifth receiver job, you have to be able to to contribute on special teams. It's why it's a huge reason why Fuller's been able to stick for as long as he has. And um, so through these OTAs and into mini camp and training camp, if you see Jay Lee repping on a lot of these special teams and operating a gunner and so forth, or, or even do it on the special on the on the first team special teams, I think it's a very good sign for his chances of making this team. You know, you, you mentioned we don't know what uh, Cooter's offense is going to look like in its entirety, and I, I think the comparison I've I've made a lot in recent months is I, I see a lot of the Patriots in their passing attack. Uh, these short passes, letting guys do yards after the catch. Um, I don't know how many times Caldwell said it. You know, the 40-yard the gain in the pass game is so rarely a bomb over the top. It's now hitting a guy in stride in the open field and letting that receiver do the the work after the catch. So this this is just kind of who the Lions are. You know, I just looked it up, and, and last year Stafford's average pass traveled in the air 6.47 yards. His average completion traveled... 4.68 yards. Those are essentially dead last in the NFL. They ranked 34th and 33rd among qualifying quarterbacks. And it's it's weird because you think of Stafford as one of, if not the strongest arm in the NFL. And you hear all the time whenever we talk to an opposing coach or uh, a counterpart, an opposing quarterback on another team, they always talk about he's a guy that can make all the throws. And it seems like the Lions know that, but with making all the throws, there's there's an inherent risk. And the further you throw down the field, the more that risk is opened up. So if you can throw a pass behind the line of scrimmage to, to Theo Riddick, or you could throw a, a bubble screen to Golden Tate or a quick slant to Marvin Jones, and they can pick up you know, 
five, six, 12 yards after the catch, why, why not nickel and dime it that way as opposed to, you know, throwing a low percentage bomb down the field? Uh, you know, what, what's a completion percentage on, on throws beyond 25 yards? It's probably 25%. And I mean, 75% of the time you're getting zero yards. So, you know, Stafford's, Stafford's evolving as a quarterback. Last year, the, the completion percentage was by far career high, was a Lions team record. It's more in line with what, uh, your, your standard NFL quarterback is doing these days. And, um, it, it worked really well. They didn't turn the ball over. The completion, the efficiency was, was through the roof. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think we're going to continue to see more of that. You got to take your shots at some point. I mean, you can't always be going short. You got to keep the defense honest. But I, I just think the days of Stafford being a gunslinger are, are over. Yeah, a couple of things to keep in mind with that stat. One is the Lions had an abysmal offensive line. Um, yeah, one of the worst in the league. The, sure. That first half. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I've seen a worse piece of pass blocking in my life from anyone. I mean, it was just incompetent. I think back to that week seven game, uh, Lombardi's last before the firing. It was against Minnesota, and he just t- he just took all kinds of heat, and not not just from good plays from the Vikings. It was unmarked pass rushers. It was guys flying in, even good players. I remember the one with Everson Griffin coming in uh, without with going unblocked, coming out of a stoppage of play, and um, it's just that should not be happening. There's incompetency incompetency there, and I think there's a huge reason why you saw very few deep uh, deep threats or. Um, uh, anything like that with from Stafford, and uh, secondly, you saw the emergence of guys like Abdullah and Riddick, who were great safety valves for him. These guys were sure-handed uh, playmakers in the short game, and I'm not sure if, if Theo Riddick's going to catch 80 balls again. It's a lot of catches for a running back, and so if there's some, uh, you know, if some some diminishment there from Abdullah this season, then maybe you see more. Uh, downfield uh, attempts from from, the, from from Stafford and from the Lions. Having said that, I do expect. Uh, the short game to be emphasized, just maybe not to the extent that it was last year, because I think I, I again, I just think the stats that you rolled out, like they're a little bit <coughs> revealing. Excuse you, uh, a little bit revealing, but um, I don't think I don't I think they paint a greater picture of what was going on in terms of the offensive line, and, and hopefully for the Lions' sake, uh, that the offensive line is improved this year. I, I think the op- the the middle of the field is going to be more open this year. You know, I think people opponents are going to be more wary of those quick passes to the outside. And and that's an opportunity, one for Riddick. I mean, we know Riddick can run those angle routes. Uh, I, I do think he can catch 80 again. You know, that's that's five catches a game, assuming good health. And uh, the the way he was producing, on, especially on third downs last year, just he's he's almost uncoverable in a one-on-one situation because of that, that lateral quickness, the ability to get in and out of breaks, and the guys who are covering him. Safeties and linebackers just can't handle it. Uh, yeah, that, two, that deadlock, that deadlock's amazing. By the way, I just because I, I remember re, uh, I was writing a story last year, and I went back and I was originally going to look at every one of his catches and see how many times he beat a guy in space. I realized it was going to be a very difficult thing to track, <laughs> and so I abandoned that about halfway through. But of the film that I had watched, it was I, I think only once or twice or maybe three times he was taken down by the first man. I mean, it was incredible the consistency at which he made the first guy miss. That, you hear that a lot from coaches in terms of playmakers or guys, what you want from your playmakers to make a guy miss that's your job you make one guy miss you've done your job and um you carry on and that's something riddick can do as well as well as anyone yeah i mean he led all nfl players last year according to pro football focus and they, they do a good job of tracking this particular stat um all receivers in in missed tackles or all you know in in the passing game at 36 and of course golden tate was was number two at 33 that that's something really cool to build on and i know jones marvin jones has got some of that in him too so i think that's a really interesting and exciting part of the lions offense so obviously we've seen amir abdullah uh make guys miss too um you know if they get better run blocking there but to go back to the point of of the middle of the field being open i think that's a it's a really big opportunity for for eric ebron um it's something he he admits he did well in college. It was kind of like his calling card, and you know we all know that the hands have been inconsistent at times. And the the further you get down the field, the more uh, likelihood, I guess, passes are going to have of being dropped. But um, if if he can develop into a weapon down the seam, I mean, that's going to be really important, I think, to this offense. What's your what's your expectation this year for you, Brian? Sixty-five catches. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think that. I think you're going to continue to see upward trend. I think you're going to pick up some of the slack 
uh, from Calvin's departure. But, you know, somebody asked in, in the, the mailbag that I threw out there yesterday um, or, or this week that, you know, is, is he ever going to be able to uh, live up to the, the standing of being a number 10 pick? And it's it just seems unlikely. You know, he's always going to be compared against Odell Beckham and uh, Aaron Donald. And he's never going to live up to that standard. He's right now probably the fourth weapon in the offense. So, you know, he, he can't help where he was picked. He was picked at number 10. That's that's on Martin Mayhew um, and, and those who advised him, but ultimately Mayhew. All all Ebron can do is, is make the most of the opportunities he receives um, and, and work as hard as he possibly can and, you know, try to drop as few as passes as possible. But is he always going to be held up as not worth a, a number 10 pick yeah probably but oh, oh well i mean that's that's hindsight now you can only worry about what you can do now yeah a quick uh search on the old internet machine here says that uh, 65 catches for rebound would have placed some ninth last year among tight ends i think that's pretty fair you could even expect maybe a little more out of him he doubles his production from year one to year two had <laughs> Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but like 47, 48 catches last year. So, so that, so 65 would be tracking on his rate of development from year one to year two. It would also place him in the, t- in the top third of tight ends in the league. I think that's totally fair. I think something like 70 or 75 isn't out of the question. Um, I'm a big Eric Ebron believer, and it's not to say that he's played well. I, I just think he takes more criticism than should ever be deserved. A lot of it, as you mentioned, is, you know, it's, it's, it's Mayhew's fault. Mayhew, took him over Odell Beckham, took him over Aaron Donald, took him over any number of of really good players who were taken the ne- in the following 10 spots right after the Ebron pick. That's on Mayhew. So all Ebron can control is how good of a player Eric Ebron is. He did not do a very good job of that in year one. And to his credit, he got a lot better from year one to year two. He, he learned the scheme. He got better. He got uh, faster. He got stronger. All those things that you would expect from a guy going from year one to year two. And you saw the results. He missed a couple of games because of injury. Still was able to double his production and I think going into this year, you know, I, I, talk, I was able to chat with him for five or ten minutes after practice last week. And I was I was just really impressed because he's still kind of a kid in a lot of ways. I mean, you, yeah. you know him. I mean, he's he's that way. He's got a childlike exuberance to him, kind of kind of playful. But at the same time, he can be very uh, pet, petulant, maybe is the word. I, I don't know. He, he just he, – he, I'm not smiling. A, I don't need to say anything. <laughs> you, you can't see I don't it, want but. to dig myself in a hole. But, but yeah, no, he, he's got a lot of those things going on. But I, I sense a, a greater maturity to him after talking to him. I, I think he understands not only how much he screwed up early in his career, but how much of an opportunity he still has ahead for him. Um, and, and not just in terms of this being year three in a scheme and, and having a real a role carved out, but having a role that's growing you know, with Kelvin out, there's 150 targets that, that went to Kelvin last year to be sprayed around. He brought in Marvin Jones. He's going to get a lot of that action, Golden Tate, some of these guys. But I, I, I really honestly believe that perhaps nobody who was on the team last year has a has a chance for a bigger role, a, a greater growth in role this year than Eric Ebron. And I think he's preparing for it. I think he knows that. I think he has an opportunity before him. He doesn't intend to waste it. He's doing all kinds of things to get better. He's injured right now. He has a minor injury, so he didn't practice on Thursday. It's hard to say exactly where he's at. But he looked as good as I've seen him with my own eyes in terms of physique. He's He talked about his, his program. His program is ex- exceptionally demanding. Um, and he's even like pushing trucks around and chopping wood and all kinds of, you know, rocky types. Yeah, just straight Drago. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, obviously that stuff doesn't correlate necessarily to catching footballs out of the split end position or tight end position. Um, so, you know, he's still got to, to, to prove that he can do that, do those things and he's cured his drops and so forth. But I see personally a lot of encouraging signs from Eric Ebron, both in terms of the opportunities that are before him and his own understanding and grasp of the opportunities and the and what's going to be expected of him in 2016. And he's unchallenged in that role right now. I mean, everything is being put on him at that tight end position. It's Eric Ebron, a very injured Brandon Pettigrew with an ACL injury, and nothing. I mean, there's... Mm-hmm. A couple undrafted guys out there. Some guy named Matthew Mulligan. Matthew Mulligan, who tied in last week, <laughs> I, strikes me as a guy that you don't want to run into in a in an alley. Just a a, a powerhouse, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, how many passes the guy caught in his career? Like four, four mm-hmm. and a half, um, <laughs> somewhere in that range. Uh, you know, I I actually think maybe Amir Abdullah stands to to gain more in the offense this year. I mean, that's that's a guy that averaged like 
nine or ten carries a game last year. Uh, I, I look at him as you know, kind of the the clear cut feature back in the rotation. Mm. You know, obviously Ridley or Zenner, whoever emerges in that that complement role, is, is going to see their fair share of work. But uh, really, Abdullah, assuming he comes back healthy from this this off season shoulder injury should see between 15 17 carries a game. I think he's going to see a little bump in the passing game. Uh it it would almost shock me if he if he's not a 12 to 1300 all-purpose yard guy. Or not all-purpose yard, but yards from scrimmage guy, uh which which would be a big jump from last year and uh, you know as long as he gets those fumbles under control, which, you know, talking of second half trends, that's a guy that fumbled once in the second half seemed to at least start putting it behind him. Uh he he could be really primed for a big season, especially with the the commitment to the the offensive line from a run blocking perspective. Well, I thought he was pretty good last year. He was just an incomplete player. You know, he didn't have the ball security going on. Security was he, terrible, he, right? It was, and I thought he missed a lot of hole. I mean, he he had such he had such a great debut, right? It's, we all remember that first carry. Uh, Eric Weddle remembers it. Eric Weddle definitely remembers it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but after that, he was pretty quiet the rest of the first half. He really struggled. He didn't, I mean, his per carry, his yards per carry average was, was, was not very good. His per, overall production wasn't very good. 3.6 yards. His usage wasn't very good. That was his only touchdown. Yeah, okay. And, um, but the second half obviously was a lot better. And I believe in the second, I believe in the, the last seven games alone, averaged about five yards a carry. And, yeah. and he was highly effective. Um, and his role grew. Joy Bell is diminished, and now this year you have there is no Joy Bell. There is no obvious challenger to Amir Abdullah when it comes to rushing the football. Riddick's going to get a ton of ton of snaps as a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield and does a lot of different creative stuff. He's definitely going to get his. But in terms of rushing, there's no uh, there's no. Ch- I mean, maybe Ridley, but I don't. I, I'd have to see it before I'd believe it. I, I think Amir Abdullah is the clear cut guy there. He's got vision. He's got speed. I, I really think he has the opportunity to be a playmaker. I'm curious to see. And I mentioned this on the radio the other day, actually. But I, I think I agree with you. I think his usage is going to go way up, both in terms of catching the ball and rushing the football. I'm curious to see how he holds up over the course of a 16 game season, though, because for as, a, as as athletic of a guy that he is, I mean, he's he's a little smaller. And he's not wiry, you know. He's not. He's not Riddick. Riddick's even skinnier than he is. But he's like, yeah, he's he's very athletic. And I, I just I don't know what kind of I don't know what the beating will do on him. I'm not. You know, he's not Adrian Peterson, a guy who can take a bunch of hits and still keep rolling. I'm not sure if he has that kind of stamina. Not that I guess that's something that we'll figure out this year because I do think he's going to have that that larger role. Yeah, and I'm I'm just pulling up his his college numbers right now. And I, listen, I I understand the NFL beating is different than the Big Twelve beating, but uh, you know, averaged about 250, 260 carries those uh, last three years at Nebraska. Last year, even in the the solid second half that we both talked about, he averaged ten carries a game, eighty carries over the final eight games, and and they were very productive. Eighty carries. They're you know you're talking about. Uh, four point seven yards per carry. That's that's outstanding. I think anytime you even get above four as a Detroit Lions running back, that's uh, cause for a downtown parade. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, yeah, don't forget the offensive line. This guy was running behind. You know, I mean, just terrible hole, especially in the first half of the right. season. So any production you see, especially production at four point seven, that's that's pretty remarkable, actually. And I, I think we're we're expecting improvement from that offensive line in, in that regard. And I, I feel like we're expecting improvement from in that regard every year, but well, they're, they're, they were one of the worst last year. So I, I would, I mean, I'd expect improvement almost by default, right? I mean, how, how could they actually be worse than the first half of last year? Right. And, and so listen, I, I still believe Larry Warford is a good run blocker when, when healthy. And yes, he's had some unfortunate durability concerns the last couple of years. Riley reef is a decent run blocker. Taylor Decker is known as a run blocker. I think Glasgow could be an improvement over uh, Travis Swanson, uh, assuming he wins that job. And uh, Lakin Tomlinson's got some power behind him too, and and he should improve. Should improve on getting out of his stance faster. Uh, there's just a natural jump from from year one to year two that's that's bigger than you know maybe any other jump of your career. So. Uh, Particularly on the offensive line, the, yeah. where the physical demands are so so steep. So I, I think this line, this front's going to get movement this year. And Abdullah is the type of back that doesn't need a whole lot of space. Uh, he can find a crease and go. And, and once he's in the second level, he's just, uh, he's he's lethal. So uh, I don't know. I, I, he, he strikes me as, as a breakout candidate for uh, all you fantasy listeners out there. <laughs> uh, prime flex candidate. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. I, you know, we just praised him quite a bit. I think it's important to, to balance that with the fact the Lions were the, the, the worst rushing team in the NFL last year. So there's a lot that needs to be improved upon in terms of the running game. Uh, I forget Abdullah's total for the year, but it was something like four or 500 yards, right? It was in that range. 600. 600. So, yep. I mean, so led the Lions, but not impressive in terms of like aggregate totals. And so, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, I, I just think this year the Lions rushing attack has to improve and not just because they were 32nd and there's nowhere else to go but up, but with all the investments they've made uh, to that running game, you know, I think back to last year, you know, they used a first round pick on a guard. They used a second round pick on a running back. They used a fifth round pick on a fullback. And then they, went out there and they went from 28th in rushing to 32nd. They actually got worse after spending three of their first five picks uh, in the, in, on, the, on the running game, really. And then you, you, you fast forward to this year, you use all those draft picks on offensive line. And um, you obviously got Taylor Decker, who's who, in, in the first round, he's going to start for you. He's, more, he's known more as a run blocker than pass blocker at this point. I just don't think there's much excuse anymore for the Lions failing to rush the football. They need to do it. Because um, I, I mean, obviously, it's it goes back goes back to the balance of football, right? The more of a rushing attack you have, it's going to keep people honest, so you can pass the ball, and it works the other way around too. And so, there's just no reason. There's been no reason to fear the Lions' rushing game. Um, I think Abdullah is that he has a very good chance of of, of changing that this year, though, given his ability. Uh, and I think again with the the expected improvement of the offensive line, you should see a little bit more out there out of the rushing attack. And just to put in perspective of what it takes to be a thousand yard rusher in this league, and uh, number one is durability, and and we can't predict durability. Uh, he's coming off of a shoulder injury, played all sixteen games last season, but uh, you you just never know. It takes one hit in the NFL. But if if Abdul carries the ball just fifteen times a game, and averages four point two yards per carry, he's a thousand yard rusher. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, a reasonable expectation. Again, we can't, we can't predict durability. We can't predict that he'll be out there for all 16 contests. But if he is healthy and playing, I, I think 15 yards per, uh, or 15 carries per game is, is kind of a reasonable expectation after last year's, or sec, last year's second half, uh, 10 carries per game. Just, just the way the roster's shaping up. And 4.2 yards per carry, yeah, it's, it's a lot for a Lions running back. It, it is, but, uh, he showed he clearly can do it with 4.7 in the second half last year. That was with with Cooter calling the shots, with the simplified blocking scheme, with with Ron Prince coaching the offensive line. And so, uh, do I expect some some regression as they incorporate new pieces? Sure, but that, that's where that 4.2 comes in. So, you know, Abdullah could be a thousand yard rusher. It's probably going to be under that, but uh, it's it's certainly not on the realm of possibility. Yeah, how many uh, thousand yard rushers the Lions have had since 2004? Uh, Reggie, that's it. Yeah, just Reggie, 2013, I believe. I don't think he broke it by much, did he? No, it was like a thought. Yeah, yeah, it was under under 1100. Um, and he needed like I remember he was like 60 or 70 yards from getting it. He needed like three weeks to get there. I remember that. But uh, yeah, uh, we've talked quite a bit about the offense. Uh, flipping around to the, the the defense, I guess to to wrap this thing up. Um, yeah, anything to stand out to you? I mean, I, I saw you know I thought Van Noy repping at strong side linebacker was interesting. I'm not sure if that's an indication of of improved ability or if it's them putting him on the spot to see how he'll react or them trying to um, you know, take a temperature of Van Noy in his game and seeing you know how he looks out there and where he's at in his development or lack thereof. But um, I certainly they're trying to figure something out in, in terms of what they have as strong side linebacker. Yeah, I, I had a casual conversation with uh, someone in the organization during, during Senior Bowl week, and these are things that are off the record and we don't really write, but... Um, you know, he implied that that Van Noy will will get plenty of opportunity this off season. So I guess it didn't shock me to to see him out there. He he still has the the pedigree. He has the frame. He's a better fit as a strong side linebacker than Josh Bynes, who's clearly a better NFL player at this point. But uh, you know, this is this is a sink or swim season for uh, for Kyle. He's um, you know he he had. Such high hopes coming out of BYU. He was pretty much penciled in for that job, and um, has had two pretty miserable injuries just completely sap his uh, ability to to stay on the field. And that's of no fault of his own. It just those things happen, and, and you know he's he's got to overcome it, and he's going to be given an opportunity to overcome it. Um, I, I don't have any faith that he can, but that's just because that's what I've seen thus far. Uh, I think the thing that stood out to me was. 
how good Ashawn Robinson looked. And again, it's it's one practice. We're not going to get carried away with with sample size, but he got an increased opportunity because a couple guys were out. Tyron Walker was out. Karan Reed is recovering from from ankle surgery, so uh, Ashawn slid right into that that first team role and um, showed really good explosion. Uh, was was in the backfield quite a bit. Uh, there was definitely a time where he got told to lay off a quarterback, which kind of funny because that was something that you had written about that he got in trouble for in, in college. But uh, you know, if, if he ends up being a first round caliber talent that you know many analysts expected him to be going into the draft process, uh, he's twenty one. I mean, he's 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 a baby. Like he, I don't know, he doesn't look like a baby, but he, he's a baby. Like when when Ebron came out, just just a young guy with with such a high ceiling. And that would be such a coup for that defensive line who really needs an injection of talented youth to go with, with Ezekiel Hansa on the outside. Yeah, just point of clarification, Tyron Walker was out there. Uh, he was even Not with the team drills, yeah. yeah. He, he was with the team. He was doing individual drills. He just was not doing yeah. team drills. So just wanted to, to clear that up. Um, yeah, no, I was impressed by Ashawn as well. I mean, talked to Lodi Nada after practice. and You know, guys will always say what they have to say to – end a media session without like without like making waves or anything so you know platitudes are um you know the part for the course this time of year but you could see in his face when you asked about Ashawn, there was a little bit of a, a different tenor to his tone he was a little more upbeat you could I, you could just tell he kind of enjoyed he enjoys playing next to him you just call him a great student of the game he's always asking questions that he he's one of those guys that you tell him something and he remembers, or if he makes a mistake, you tell him to fix it and he does. He doesn't repeat mistakes, and that's always a marker for a, a young guy in terms of, um, um, you know, uh, possible con- con- uh, contributors going forward and so forth because he's, he's improving so quickly. But he, you know, the thing I heard about him a lot when he was coming out of Alabama was that he had tr- he had s- he had speed that belied his size. In other words, he's he just moves faster than someone you would expect to move at that kind of size and it's, it looked like it and it's hard to see with shorts i know the game changes when the pads go on but uh certainly a very encouraging early sign that that not only did they because they have that they have veterans on the roster they could have thrown Stephen charles or somebody out there to rep alongside nada but it was it was it was it was it was, uh, it was Ashawn, and i i really believe that uh, you're going to see a lot of them this year um and if their injury strikes as it did to, to both nada to some degree and definitely tyron walker last year uh, if it's just strike again, that uh, Ashawn will be a guy that's that, that, that's out there for sure. You mentioned the the speed behind the size. I mean that that was a thing with Nick Fairley. I mean the guy was always, I guess, sloppy in in the way he looked. Uh, just didn't look like a guy that was extremely athletic. And he just de- it always shocked me how fast he was. The yeah. cat like quickness that 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 guy had. It's amazing because he looked like a third base coach. He was built like a third base coach. And then he goes out there and those like get off. We, we see um, a lot of get off competitions from Chris Kasarik in the defensive line in practice. And he would like his practice habits weren't, weren't the best. But when you put him in a competitive environment, the guy rose to the occasion. It was amazing because he his belly's hanging over his belt and he'd win every get off competition except for maybe like Sue or something. But he, I mean, he was I mean, he could compete with he anyone. He'd be on to sometimes, you know. I mean, his, his athleticism was incredible. I do, I do sense some of the same with Ashawn uh, Robinson, except minus the belly. You know, I mean, he's in great physical shape, it appears. Anything from the defensive yeah. backs you noticed? I mean, Slay looks great. You know, he got kind of the veteran treatment a little bit um, with in terms of his reps. He took fewer reps than a lot of the guys, and that could be a, a contract issue, too, as he tries to work out an extension. Um, but, I mean, when he was out there, he he looked great. Great A, you know. Um I was uh, not surprised to see, uh, you know, they were down Glover Quinn and, um, uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, uh, They were down Glover Quinn at safety, and um, they had Isaiah Johnson out there, and they had uh, Raphael Bush out there. And I was intrigued by that um, because, I mean, we've heard a lot about Miles Kilbrew, and I've been intrigued to see what he would do. And when he had, they had an opportunity to throw him out there with, with Quinston now and so forth, uh, they went with, with uh, Isaiah Johnson and, and, and Raphael Bush. And I guess that, that, that speaks to where that competition is at. I don't think Tavon Wilson's going to mount much of a, you know, much, much of a case at safety, at strong safety. Or as I like to call him, Tavon Austin. <laughs> I've written that probably. I'll get it right eventually. Times. Yeah. Um, I think I called Jim Caldwell Jim Schwartz about 15 times in stories after, after 
for not hiring. They did not help us out by hiring another guy named Jim. Yeah. Um, but I would, I mean, Killebrew, I think, is more of a project, maybe more of a project than we thought when, when he was drafted. The hitting is fun to watch, and we haven't got to see it yet, obviously, but we will going forward. But I just don't think that, I think that's more of a long-term plan as opposed to a guy that you've drafted and is going to vie for a starting job right away. I cannot wait to see Killebrew run into George Wynn. Like it just that, I think that has been hit. involved in the lo- in the loudest collision in both of the last two training camps. Yes, yeah, it, there's going to be a Richter scale registering with with that one. You should be able to feel it as far as Kalamazoo, I would imagine. Mm. Um, no, I mean I think that's it. I mean I, I don't know. Was any, you know we have the mailbag to get to, but anything else that you wanted to chop up? No. Okay. Another cough That's drop, like probably. <laughs> Justin's struggling, as you can uh, as you can probably hear. He's. I'm killing these fishermen friends. Being a, being a true sponsorship player. deal. Looking for it. <laughs> yeah, that sure, up. they have a huge budget for sponsorships. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll get to a few of your questions. We always probe for these on um, Twitter. So if you ever have questions going forward for the for this thing, hit us up on Twitter or, or email. Um, first question from More Rice Cooks. Oh, great name. Uh, is Van Noy working with first group a sign of improvement, faith in him, or just seniority, Justin? I, I think it's seniority at this point. You know, I, it's it's tough to say a guy's improved since the end of last season. All they've done is mostly lift weights, uh, but he's in good shape. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the organization wants to see what they have in him. That's a second-round pick. There, there was a reason he was a second-round pick, so sink or swim. Yeah, who knows what will happen or where he's at. I I ultimately think, though, that him being out there as the, as the one on, on the strong side is just a matter of throwing a second-round pick out there and seeing what the hell they have, seeing what he does, if he can execute assignments. Uh, because, I mean, he has physical ability, and you don't go in the second round if you don't have physical ability. We know he can run. He's a big guy with a, with a huge body and everything. But le- for me, it's I, with Van Noy, I think it's always been kind of, uh, it's been the mental game. It's been his inability to process information quickly enough to take good angles to the ball. Um, he takes himself out of place too much. And this is, these are things we've seen to an extent in practice, but especially in the preseason when he's got his most extensive action on defense. And I think it's the mental game that he has to master. And being out there with the first unit, playing at the fastest rate that you could possibly play in that practice, I think that's a good sign for him. And, um you know, I don't think anyone knows what they have. I don't think the Lions know what they have in him. They're just trying to figure it out right now when the games and the practices don't matter. He he hasn't shown above average skills in, in any area as a professional yet. You know, he's he's not consistent enough in, in beating blockers as a blitzer. Uh, he got eaten alive by, uh, I think it was Vance McDonald, the 49ers, their tight end in that, that late season game. Uh, embarrassingly so. Um, so... You know, if you can't cover and you can't rush the passer, you're you're not shedding blocks. Like he's got to have something that that defines his skill set, and I guess we'll see if that uh, shows through this off season. For sure. Um, next question comes from David Dawson, who I can only hope is the uh, guard from Michigan, or maybe play center now. I'm not sure, but offensive lineman from Michigan. Um, has Taylor Decker looked better than Reef, or is it true what they say in that they are giving reps to both? Um, I think it's impossible to say that one's looked better than the other because one, we've only seen one of their five practices so far, and two, they're in shorts right now. Um, I think they're just prepping Decker for, again, what we talked about before. I think they want him to play on the left side. They're prepping him for that. And if all goes according to plan, he'll play left side. And if he struggles there, um, or if they think Reef is the better option on the left side, they'll eventually swap them back. I think no matter what happens, you'll see cross-training anyway. You're going to see some Decker at right tackle. We could see it as soon as tomorrow. He could be there all week, all this week for all we know. We just haven't been there. Um, but, yeah, I don't think you can say one has looked better than the other. I, I mean, if you were playing a game today, I think Reef would be your left tackle because Decker, I mean, he's he's a rookie one and two. His biggest issues have been in the, in the pass block game, and you're not going to have a guy who is inconsistent or unknown as a pass blocker blocking for Matthew Stafford's blind side. Um, but I, I think now is you're just preparing for the long term. The long term, the, the, for the long term, the Lions hope protectors their guy. We'll have so much more to contribute on that question in August once we're watching practice every day mm-hmm. and really getting to see a, a string of practices and, and how the Lions are, are utilizing them and how they're even performing in those those one on one drills, which are are more telling for I think offensive tackle than maybe any other lineman because. They often work on an island, so you know I want to see both those guys go head to head with Ansa and Devin Taylor, and and you know I'll, I'll get back to you with a 
a more accurate assessment then. Those one-on-one battles between the offensive and defensive linemen that we see are some of my favorites during, during training camp. You know, it's, you just don't see with the NFL the way it's set up nowadays with the with the shorts and a lot of non-contact and stuff. And even during contact practices, it's pretty tepid stuff. It's it's some of the most physical action you'll see, and it's uh, it's pretty fascinating to see up close. Because in a game, you're, you're processing so much. You're looking at the ball. You're looking at plays and result of plays. But when you can really slow it down and just watch an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman clash. Uh, it's a, it's a spectacle, man. It's, it's really something to behold. Yeah, I've never seen an Oklahoma drill live. I, I think I kind of enjoy that, but it also seems <laughs> unnecessarily yeah. violent and injury risk. But yeah, those those one-on-one pass rushing drills are, are outstanding. Um, okay, yeah, moving along. Anyone ask Caldwell if Marvin Jones would be used on defense for Hail Mary attempts? Hashtag never forget. That's from Drew. Is that too, is it too soon? I, I don't know. Could you hear my sigh there? I, <laughs> wow. No. Trying to get us kicked out. No chill, practice. man. No chill, Drew. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's move along. Um, Stafford has never had, this one comes from, this one comes from Orion Morris. Stafford has never had a run game paired with a D. Uh, do you see that happening this year? What are the chances? Yeah, I mean, we've kind of hit on that. I, yeah. I, I expect improvement. I, I think you would, should be pleased as a fan if they can hit that four yard per carry plateau. And, and yeah, that's not great. It's probably still bottom half, maybe even bottom third, but uh, at least it's serviceable at that point. And I, I really expect Abdullah being the lead dog in that, that competition to, or, or that rotation to be able to top that mark. So it's what everybody else behind him can do. What can, Riddick doing whatever amount of carries they give him. What what can Ridley or uh, Zenner or whoever else emerges in that mix can do? And obviously Matthew Stafford's going to average ten yards per carry because that's his new thing. <laughs> Will Stafford? Yeah, yeah. No, I think the run run game will be improved, <coughs> and not just because there's no reason, there's nowhere to go but up. Um, you know, they've invested so much in the running game. I also think Cooter's offense will be more. I don't know, sensible or competent, whatever word you want to use, um, than what Lombardi's was. Lombardi's was a mess. Uh, you couldn't get holes. But you saw there's an improvement instantly in the second half of the season. I would expect to see that continue given a, a full off season to implement things and get guys comfortable. Not to mention Abdul is in his second year and, and uh, will have rectified some issues. Uh, but speaking to the defense, I, like, I, I'm not sure it'll be as good as it was two years ago, but I think it has a chance to be better than last year. Um, I thought Nevin, Law- you know, that Nevin Lawson played pretty well down the stretch, and and he or whoever beats him out um, will be a, a great pairing with with Slay. Um, so got Glover Quinn in the back end, one of the better safeties in the league, and the defensive line that was kind of an issue early in the season. But remember, Nada didn't he missed? I think it was seven of the ten OTAs or something equivalent to that, um, something close to that, uh, while moving and dealing with some issues away from the team. Um, and then once he got back, he suffered that hamstring injury and barely practiced for mo- most of training camp. Correct. Um, really had like a week or two of practice before the season opener. So he wasn't in peak form. He, he said, he said so himself. He was out of shape a, a little bit. I just didn't have his stamina up and that kind of stuff. And then by the time he started to turn a corner, you lose Tyron Walker in week three or week four of the season or whatever it was for the year. And so you never really had both those guys at full strength. Um, ideally, you know, at this point, it looks like the Lions will have that. They, you know, Walker's back, not as back. He said he's feeling pretty good. He's settled. He's around OTAs. He's ingrained in the system now. He has a chemistry with with uh, with the you know with the line. I, yeah, I just I would, I would expect more from the defensive line, even though it's basically the same personnel as last year. Uh, I expect Ansan to be to you know to continue his ascent. Um, and even in terms of the depth at defensive tackle, I like it more than I liked it last year. Um, I don't know what to expect yet from Stephen Charles. But the Lions seem high on him as a reserve. You have Karan Reed back, and you have, of course, Ashawn Robinson added to the mix as well. That's a pretty good group of five guys. And put it this way, Gabe Wright, a third-round pick, uh, fourth-round pick um, from a season ago, could get bounced as soon as this year. That's how much the depth has changed and, in my opinion, has gotten better. Um, so a lot of the same names, which I know, I know frustrates some people on the defensive line, but it could actually be a better group than it was last year. I zoned out at some point. I don't even know if you mentioned DeAndre Levy. I mean, oh yeah, I've his, heard of him. his his return, I think, is the uh, single biggest off season change that the Lions, even more so than adding Taylor Decker. I mean, the the return of DeAndre Levy, if healthy, is is the biggest boost to this roster um, that that didn't cost you anything extra. Uh, Levy's return with 
uh, improved depth at defense tackle. I expect the run defense will be better this year. And if you can be a good run stopping team, if you can be in the top 10 there and force opponents to be uh, more one dimensional, that just improves your chances uh, to, to be a successful defense on the whole. And yeah, Lawson is a big question mark. Uh, I think Raphael Bush is going to be all right, but again, it's a, it's a question mark. Yep. Strong side linebacker is a question mark. I, even Quandre Diggs, is, it strikes me as maybe he's getting a little bit more hype than than merited. Uh, he was solid last year at, and particularly graded on the curve of being a six-round rookie. But uh, he really struggled to protect that seam, especially early. But but you saw some of that, that weakness later. He was getting beat deep down down the middle of the field. Uh, he, he's got to clean that up. I mean, that, that was a big weakness in his game. And uh, you'd rather see a guy miss a, a run stop than give up a 25-yard gain every you know every few game so uh, there are holes there I, I think it, it's got enough talent there to be a top half of the NFL unit but uh, my, my biggest question remains where, where's that pass rush coming from and we know Anza's going to bring it uh, I, I think Devin Taylor can be uh, projected out to, to what he was as a reserve last year as a starter this year but beyond that you know I, I, I'm curious to see what Austin has up his sleeve in terms of you know breaking pressure I mean, for me, it, it comes down to this. The Lions struggled a little bit defensively. Not a little bit. They struggled defensively early in the season last year. They got better as the season wore on. They were pretty good there in the second half of the year. And remember, for as good as, as, good as the offense was in the second half, that begin, the, big, the beginning of that eight-game stretch, it was a lot of the defense helping the Lions stay in for games sure. and even win games, scoring less than 20 points. You know, it, it took them a while to get to that point where they were hanging, you know, 35, 40 points on. Uh, you know, on, on the Saints or whoever. And so, uh, but going into this year, I don't, you know, the defense, it's not 2014 again. You know, they don't, they don't I don't think they need a second ranked defense to win football games. They, it wouldn't they, hurt. I, it wouldn't hurt, but they don't have, they don't have to be. I mean, they, they just have to be good on defense because I think you're expecting, you, the offense has to take a leap forward, right? It can't be as bad as it was last year, particularly in the first half of the year. Um, and, and given that improvement, I don't, you, you, you know, the defense just has to be fine. It doesn't, you know, you don't have, you don't need a second rank defense. You just, you need better offense. And that's something the Lions have struggled to do consistently outside of the second half of last year. Um, and I think it's something we both expect to see this year with, you know, they did lose Calvin, but I think you like the scheme a lot more. Stafford's looking better. You like the emergence of guys like Riddick and, and I, I anticipate Ebron. Um, you know, the offense will be, be I'm confident the offense will be better than last year. Uh, the defense doesn't have to necessarily be great for Stafford and the offense to win football games. And and all of this boils down to what I've been saying all along, that, yeah, there's... I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing it or anything like that, but the the expectations should be playoffs this year. It's There's enough talent on offense. There's enough talent on defense. They've bolstered their special teams more than anything this offseason. Uh, they've, they've filled some holes with, with rookies at, at key... Um, key spots, key voids on, on the uh, offensive line and defensive line. Uh, and the schedule is very favorable. So, um, you know, 10 wins is hard in the NFL. It's it's not easy. But there's enough there to expect that from your football team. And it should be how this coaching staff is, is judged at the end of the season because everything is set up for playoff caliber success. You sound like you're going to die at any second. I, so I think, I'm dying here. For sure. <laughs> I think this is a good spot to wrap it up before I have a corpse on my hand. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening in. As always, uh, hit, feel free to hit us up on Twitter uh, or in the emails uh, to get in the mailbag uh, portion uh, in, in future weeks. Or if you have general feedback about the podcast, we're still toying with it. Uh, we'll be back at, at OTAs uh, Thursday morning. Be around MLive for, for all the updates. Uh, for Justin, I'm Kyle. We're MLive. Keep it right here.